welcome to Stay Sure of the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Elaine. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. And uh, today we are bringing back uh, a book club, our book club segment. And we are going to be talking about um, Music 109 by Alvin Lucier. Or Lucier? Lucier? Who knows? You know what? I like Lucier. I don't know if that's right, but that sounds cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll stick with that. We'll, we'll pretend we're really fancy. And uh, yeah. So, you know, for those who aren't, um, you know, totally aware uh alvin lucier is uh, was a um experimental composer uh probably best known for uh more sound art pieces than anything you know his his probably his biggest most well-known pieces um i'm sitting in a room which actually gets talked about in this book um but he's also um uh, an educator uh professor i think he's at wesleyan in when he's writing this book but i think he's taught around before he's also uh a native of new hampshire oh really Um, yeah yeah he's from nashua um so i think he's he's always kind of like stayed in like the northeast Mm -hmm. it seems like um but yeah so yeah and he uh he recently just he passed away i think near the end of last year um or at least i think at the beginning of this year it was sometime around then um you know r.i.p but um this book is um kind of a uh it's him talking about a number of experimental music pieces and sort of um explaining the thought process behind them not necessarily the meaning of them but more like how they work how the composer maybe came up with them in some cases um and you know a lot of these you know he he has criteria for choosing them um you know i think a lot of it is you know work by composers that he either you know worked with or um you know he had a hand in actually like performing the music um so yeah it it was just it was an interesting um it's an interesting read i actually tried to read this a few years ago and uh didn't wasn't able to really vibe with it a ton i don't really remember why i think it was just kind of the way the things laid out um which i mean if you want to we can kind of get into that right now it's it, it seems like so near the end uh in his author's note he says um that he says uh most of the material in this book was taken from lectures i've given in over 40 years of teaching at westland i've not attempted to make a complete survey of american experimental music Rather, I've included works I have loved and have been personally involved with either as a performer or friend of the composer. I have not found it necessary to follow each composer's work to the present day. I have included mostly these works as I first encountered them in the belief that each represents the composer's work as a whole. Um, not, I, I don't know if I totally agree with that last sentiment because I think people's you know, work and their thoughts on their work change over time. But, I mean... It gives a good idea of sort of what you're getting in terms of the format of this book because it's very, it feels very loose. And, um, you know, he tries to divide uh, the, basically the the book is divided up into sections based on sort of the format of the piece. So there's, uh, you know, a section on like graphic uh, scores. There's another section on, um, you know, just piano pieces, another on using uh, tape or just recording devices in general, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and from there, 
you know, each piece kind of gets its own little section, but it's very loosey-goosey. Um, you know, it, it's very obviously, you know, sort of cribbed from these lectures that he gave on these pieces. Um, but I guess w without any further ado, I, I, I want to sort of open it up and talk about, you know, what sort of what, what you were thinking during this, Scott. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, the author's note at the end uh, definitely... I don't say helped, but it it was um, it was a good clarifier. Yeah, it was a good clarifier because to me, um, the vibe I got from this was kind of uh, like when your your grandfather, or your dad, like an older relative or friend, like <laughs> like sits down, like let, let me let me tell you a story about the like the good old days. And obviously, like it, it was much more interesting than those conversations usually lay out when your you know your grandfather tells you. You know stories back in the day but it did feel very um very very much like he dictated which it makes you know with the fact that it was taken from lectures it, it sounded like it was a written kind of massaged um retelling of just someone talking because obviously when, when you're speaking you're often to like go on tangents or like tell those stories or put in little you know little ticks uh here and there like it was funny how many times he would like it was beautiful or it was wonderful it was like he would just add those little notes uh yeah. he seemed like a really charming guy i, I mean i, I he, he seemed like such a nice guy yeah, i'm honestly, sure he would have yeah. been he was a, a must have been a great professor um i don't know i i think i think the that main observation was was a pro and a con for me more so a pro i'd say uh i think it was an interesting combination of like it was like a pseudo memoir but also like a, uh like an educational or like like an actual informative book about um experimental music it was interesting to have someone um someone who was actually engrossed in that world who like knew a lot of the composers he, he talked about mm -hmm. um like i thought that was an interesting perspective but yeah, I mean, I guess the con being sometimes it felt a little, little rambly, a little disorganized. Like certainly, like they're you know, towards the end, you know, tape recorders, the piano, like they just it was more focused. There were some chapters though that by the end of it, I was like, I don't really know what the framing for this was. Like, yeah. I wasn't one hundred percent sure what exactly. Like it was, it wasn't bad. Like okay, you know, these are interesting, but I'm not sure. Like I'm not sure how these stories tie together like I'm not sure and I think kind of the fluidity of you know I'm telling stories from my experience I'm, I'm, t I'm sharing um, like my, my personal relationships and just my first you know first person account of you know these pieces being composed coming to fruition being performed with kind of the underlying ideas behind it like it was a little um, like I think of uh, the rest is only noise like that felt very intentional i mean it also felt like more academic it was definitely a denser book but just very much like he was going in this is the history yeah this this is I mean, the technical components of it um I, I i guess like i think you know in alex ross's case you know he is i i think uh you know he's he's a journalist mm -hmm. by trade yeah you know so i i think he yeah, kind so, of has yeah certainly a different like different that, types of authors for sure yeah like he, he you know I, I think he really like knows, you know, his shit, you mm -hmm. know, in, 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 in terms of, you know, writing, but yeah, no, I see this is basically what, what you're bringing up is the exact, you know, 
it, that's that's the biggest issue I had was was sort of just this lack of formatting. And I I think honestly I think a bigger part of this like rest with Wesleyan like with their publishing because I, like there were like a lot of really weird spelling errors and things like that in this thing. Even though this thing has been around since like I don't know I think the eighties maybe <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I'm gonna check right now just to make sure. Um, let's see. Oh, it could be. Just 2012. Yeah, 2012. Okay, so, you know, maybe not as bad. But, like, you know, that, that's still 10 years of publishing, of having this thing published and not having, like, still, like, sort of taken out typos and, like, fixed things and just, I don't know, like, I, I think it would have made a lot more sense if they had gone in and, you know, sort of made it more cut and dry, you know, said, you know, like, I, I guess turn it into more of a reference book in that, like, you know, so so you just you, because okay, so so right now, like each piece is you know basically every section is broken down into its distinct piece, but very often you know Lucy likes to you know kind of you know he he doesn't like to go A to B, he likes to kind of like work his way around, and then finally get to B, um, and it, it can be very illuminating in that regard. But I think if he had separated you know, like in terms of like actually like on the page separated the pieces from each other, I think it would have made a lot more sense, mm -hmm. you know, to just say, hey, we're focusing on this piece by this person. It came out this time. Now I'm going to talk about it here, you know, and sort of talk about everything related to it. And then turn the next page. We got another piece, you know, mm -hmm. like just to be able to have like that, that visual, um, you know, distinction between the two I think would be really helpful but I think you know also if if they just edited this more and just talked you know like kind of yeah because you, you, you said it just like there are times where it's just like oh it was wonderful and it was or, or just like like the first the first piece like I was like what the fuck is going on like uh yes yeah, it, it was Charles Ives uh symphony number no. four and and just like it felt like he was like kind of you know going the line he, he was taking the scenic route in this conversation because i was like what like what are we talking about because then he ends up talking about like a bunch of other you know ives pieces and elliot carter and mozart all in this thing and it, and it feels so like like just confusing mm -hmm. um if you're trying to explain this you know, but I, I think that being said, I, I think some I think he explains some pieces better than others. Um, you know, like a lot of like I, I really thought that his the way he talked about John Cage was maybe the best I've heard somebody talk about John Cage. Mm. Uh, just in terms because like, you know, he, you know, Lucy seems to get it from both sides, you know, as opposed to that Kay Larson book that we read um not too long ago mm -hmm. um like that felt more like she was coming at it from like a fan side and sort of from a spiritual side mm -hmm. whereas like i think lucy like kind of has like the ability to you know he's worked with john cage he kind of understands you know cage's work but he's also a composer himself so he has that kind of connection but then on top of that you know he's also you know very clearly you know has some spiritual leanings and so, you know, he's able to kind of like piece these all together and make, you know, a really coherent picture of what Cage was trying to do with his work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, saying it in a way that wasn't, you know, pretentious or, you know, what wasn't trying to, you know, force, 
you know Cage's narrative, like into like some sort of narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but but then you have something like like Ives, you know, where just like, you know, it it felt like it 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 kind of beat around the bush, um, to what was kind of like an unsatisfying explanation. I don't know, but I I will say, you know, I I think. I, I guess sorry, I'm I'm like rambling at this point. Uh if if you wanna jump in, just just say so. But um, No, I think that that's a great observation because I think when um you know, not to, to call on Ross again, but I think it's a it's a decent comparison. You know, he went in with like a you know, journalistic intellectual approach and you know was trying to check all the boxes like i'm covering this composer at this point i'm covering this piece i'm covering this movement etc and i think when you're kind of calling from as you know as lucier was doing the calling from you know learned experience you're going to remember certain aspects of your life certain certain things more vividly than other aspects and you know it definitely felt that there are some pieces where he would go on for pages and pages and was was very um, you know, had had a lot to say about it, other pieces, not so much. And even in the in the pieces, he had a lot to say about. Um, it, it's kind of like you were reading and like, okay, once again, it gets to the point. He was uh, what what was that? Oh, I I, I knew I should. I thought I would remember it, but it was he was giving a composer a ride, and you said you drive like oh, it's Morton Feldman, I yeah. think. Like you drive like this, like why? Because like, you're always changing lanes, and like I forget what the the punchline was, but it was like a funny joke. But like it were moments like that where it was just, it felt a little like, like little tangents, which I mean, in, in some cases kind of adds to the personality of the book, but other other you know maybe cumulatively or just depending on when they were delivered, it's like it it just kind of pushed things off track mm. just a bit. Um, yeah, I. I, I think you know. I, I want to know your your thoughts on this because I I felt like during it like I felt like the way Lucier was talking, like because I you know what if you look on the back of the book it it kind of says that it's um you know uh, like it 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 explains things in language that anybody can understand even if they don't have any experience with music, um but I I felt like. It, it it felt like Lucy like like kind of like it felt like he had a difficult time trying to get that balance. Like it felt like either he was, you know, slightly kind of like talking about things that people, you know, might find confusing or don't really understand. Like something like a tone cluster even, you know, which he doesn't he doesn't really explain until like a couple pieces after he first introduces the concept of, of tone clusters. Um you know, like it, it, it feels like it, it's like slightly more for more experienced audiences at some points, but then at other points, it feels like condescendingly simple. Mm. Like that he's, you know, it, it like it feels like um, it, it almost feels like somebody like just cribbed from like the simple English wi- like wiki Wikipedia, you know, <laughs> um, like and it it just felt like and and I I'm not um, I'm not supposing that he was intentionally being condescending or anything like that. I, I just think that like, you know, I, I think of it as like, you know, trying to teach children in a way that like, you know, you can do it in a way that you you don't feel like you need to change. Like you, you, it's not like you need to be this completely different person. You know, you can treat them like people, 
you know, to explain a certain concept. Like, you, you, you don't need to sugarcoat it in a way. Like, I think it's, you know, but 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 it's sort of like the way, I don't know, it's, it's the way you go about it is, is I guess, what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. noticed that a few times where he would be talking, you know, and as someone who is not as, you know, very well-versed in music theory and just kind of general... Um, you know the depth of music composition there are some points where he would just mention something and go on i was like oh uh okay yeah i definitely yeah. i definitely know what that is and then randomly like you would open a chapter and just be expounding about about a certain thing and be like yeah. oh okay <laughs> and, and sometimes it felt like there were certain things that weren't given enough time or you know like sometimes it wasn't even that they were given enough time is more like they weren't given enough time in the right places like i i'm specifically thinking of um the well-tuned piano, the uh, Lamont Young piece, mm-hmm. um, where he goes for, I think it's probably the longest section, like the longest time that he spent on one single piece in the entire book was well-tuned piano because he was trying to explain tuning theory and, and just this idea of the harmonic series mm-hmm. and um, and like just intonation, things like that. And, uh, you know, I, fascinating stuff, but like Kyle Gunn, like, you know, made an entire book just on the idea of tuning theory, you know, and, and even that is confusing, you know? And, and so I think like, it's just, it's about trying to communicate like that clearly. And I feel like it was almost like he didn't have time to communicate it clearly or like he, he, he kind of just like wove his way through it and sort of include what he thought was important, but what I thought maybe wasn't like explained as clear as it could be, uh, because it is, very confusing talking about like these you know harmonic ratios and things like that um but i mean to to be fair i am not uh, a mathematically um minded person <laughs> so yeah. you know to, to to start talking about like oh yeah you you know you're, you're doing like a ratio of like three to one and then five to two and i'm like what <laughs> yeah but I, like, I think going back to what i said at the beginning it's it's kind of like a a pseudo memoir pseudo educational book and i think that's part of the problem is that you know, trying to, and I, I don't think he set out to do any particular thing. I think he just set out to, hey, let me, you know, let me recap. You know, this is what I've dedicated my life to doing and and, and teaching mm-hmm. about. I'll just you know, kind of collect my thoughts, put it in a book. I don't think he was trying to write a memoir. I don't think he was trying to write an educational book. You know, necessarily, necessarily like like a you know like a, a a textbook or anything like that. Um, yeah. So I think that's the problem. Is that you know you. And you're trying to do too much. It, it reminds me of like whenever, um, you know, it's kind of the 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 trope about writing your thesis is like people will go in with like these enormously broad topics they want to write about, and it's like nope. If if you're gonna, you know, you need to dial it in, dial it, and really focus on a specific thing. Because if you're gonna write like an exhaustive thesis about you know the history of European art, I mean, like how fucking long would that? How yeah. long would that I be? Mean, like. I- See, I, I, I guess in his defense, I, I think he strikes a good balance considering what this book is. Like, because, I mean, you know, there are, like, the history, like, like um, the academic analysis of composition is incredibly broad and just is massive. You know, like, you can find videos of composers, you know, spending 45 minutes on a single composition just analyzing it like line by line note by note Mm -hmm. and uh you know so i i guess like i think given the time 
you, you sort of given the page length, given what he's setting out to do, I think he does a good job mm-hmm. of explaining a lot of these pieces. I think sometimes, you know, there are just certain concepts that are so, you know, advanced and difficult to kind of think about that it's not, you know, it, it it's, he's doing his best. I mean, it, it, like, I, I think I just want to say overall is like, I, I'm, I'm very not negative against this book. Like, I, I just think that like, these are probably my biggest issues with it. But that being said, like, I really enjoyed this. Like, I enjoyed his humor through it. I enjoyed, you know, sort of hearing about his relationship with these people. Um, and I loved the way he was looking at these pieces and how he explained them. Because I think a lot of the time there is a lot of, um, you know, there, there's kind of like a closed door, you know, almost like a gatekeeper kind of mentality about experimental music that uh-huh. it's somehow you know above you know what 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 the, the you know the unwashed masses you know are are capable of understanding and he's like fuck no it isn't you know <laughs> yeah and i think uh i think i hope hopefully i mentioned this at the beginning but i think that whole idea of kind of pseudo memoir pseudo educational book it's kind of the the pro and the con for me because i think mm. on the pro side it's, it's it feels pretty unique you know from it's not textbook-esque and it's it's not you know fully just a like a retelling of his life his memoir you know like oh, i grew up in a farm in france or anything like like that <laughs> just like like you know there, there's 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 more depth in a memoir and there's a you know more warmth more humor just more it's easier to read more inviting than um you know, a very deep intellectual take on experimental music. And it, it definitely was fun to read. And it, it was, uh, I mean, not, not that I would find myself, you know, at Wesleyan or wherever he was teaching, taking experimental music class, but I think he would have been a great professor to have, I imagine. I mean, yeah. just, he, he definitely, um, you know, he, he knew his shit and like was very unpretentious in, in sharing it, which I think was, you know, to your point, that's definitely something or I think you mentioned this earlier, just there's, there is, there is that kind of like, um, inner circle vibe about experimental music that like, it's, you know, it's, it's very like exclusive. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I think it was yeah. interesting to, um, have someone give their take on something. So, you know, esoteric, so sometimes impenetrable as experimental music and, and feel like, you were just reading about any other genre. Like it just, it felt like the way that he approached it was so inviting. Um, mm. Which like when you actually listen to the pieces, you're like, wow, I can't believe this nice old man <laughs> like wasn't, was, wasn't talking about like, you know, I don't know, like sea shanties or something. Like we're actually talking about some pretty interesting and sometimes um, out there. Pieces. Yeah. Out there pieces of yeah. music. I, I think that's what's really interesting. I, I, I think, I think maybe the difficulty in the book in some regards is just in the fact that it's, I, I, I feel like it, it not only does it straddle line between, you know, like memoir and being like informational, you know, but it's also, um, you know, it, I feel like it, it straddles line between being like, you know, a book that you read from start to finish and more of a reference book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I, I think it, it does both. Like, I, I think you can use it as either very well. But I, I find, I, I honestly think that this is a book that is maybe best used as a reference, 
because I think it's it's like there are just so many pieces that he talks about that it's just impossible to you know listen to them all. Um, you know, I, so I think it's just like it kind of invites you to kind of go back every so often and just check this out and check this out and you know sort of reread these thoughts on on you know this piece or what have you. Um, yeah, I, don't, I it was it was just super interesting and I think um, I guess if you want to move to our our next sort of the next phase of our uh, discussion here, uh, unless you have anything else you want to add. No, I'm definitely excited to uh, excited to talk about some of the songs yeah. in here, especially because I was able to find a um, playlist on YouTube because just looking oh, at... Oh, really? Yeah, just looking at, you know, reading through, I was like, man, he... I think we talked about this when we went to Boston, is that it wasn't, you know, part of the... the the fact that it wasn't like bracketed like we were talking about this piece we're talking about that piece like he kind of rapid fire yeah like mentioned stuff so i was like how am i going to go through and i actually found a pretty i think there was like 40 plus pieces in this in this playlist so i was able to kind of listen through it and see which ones really you know you know what i remember from reading the book versus what actually stuck out to me when i was listening to it interesting so. you know, th th that's definitely something that i I forgot to even write down is 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 you know and I'll just include this just just as a footnote before we move on is is you know I mean to compare it back to uh the, you know the rest is noise you know um Alex Ross has a whole website dedicated just to the book and to you know certain like and he has certain sound clips that are already set up mm -hmm. and everything's there whereas like here it is just kind of like oh look it up on your own you know and, and I mean that can be cool in itself. You can end up finding some cool YouTube channels or what have you. But I, I think it could, it would be really helpful to be able to have an online resource that just already has all these pieces lined up for you, already videos or audio clips set up, and you can just be like, here you go. Which is um, especially interesting considering he was a professor. Like, you would think that he would, wouldn't he have some kind of rubric that would, uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously the answer is no because it wasn't included but, in the book. I mean, but. I, I, I think just online engagement with books is still a weird like gray area right now in in like publishing. I don't know. Like I, at least when it comes to like you know trying to you know if 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 you're having a book like this that is talking about another medium, mm -hmm. um, you know it, it like it can be a little weird. I mean it's I don't know. It it, it just feels like it. it I mean. I'll just say that, like, I, I think the publishing world is just, it feels like they're always, like, 10 years behind, like, the current technology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm not surprised, in a way, that this is the case. But anyway, we, so as you alluded to, we, um, we, we listened to a handful of pieces here and just, you know, sort of wanted to talk about some of our favorites. I just I just figured you know there's just so many interesting pieces here um, that I I think it would and I think just especially that is you know it's not like the book is about Lucier it's it's about the music and you know I I think it would be you know um, I think it would be unfair to the book you know to just be like oh yeah it was a good book and then just kind of close and never actually listen to the music you know like I think you know th these are pieces that are meant to be interacted with on some level. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you said that you just found a playlist and you just kind of like listened through and then when you found something you just kind of like went for it and just wrote it down 
Yeah, I took. I mean, I I don't know how many we'll we'll get to. I'm sure we're gonna trade back and forth, but I I just wrote down which ones um, struck me the most. Um, yeah, probably the the first one uh, that I I thought was most fascinating was actually from Lucier himself. It was uh, music for solo performance. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. part of this was you know kind of the idea that this type of music is as much about the performance and understanding how it was made as it was actually listening to the the, the music itself um mm. so this was it he used his own brave waves connected to you know different percussive instruments um to produce you know very you know kind of almost uh I think what was it like, like sequenced or I mean it's it just sounded like someone was you know playing a pretty repetitive beat on these different different percussive instruments but yeah just the fact like the way it was made and like it sounded very it sounded even more haunting knowing how it was was made but just kind of a literally organic composition and performance and just seeing how it was set up it was just so it was so interesting I think it was one of those uh one of those almost like performance performance art types pieces that actually when you listen to the music it was i mean it sounded interesting like it, it sounded like, like kind of like haunting like rhythmic tribal percussion um yeah. i thought it was really really cool and again i think what i love most is the idea of um you know like enhancing the actual music you're listening to by like understanding how it was was created um yeah, yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I mean, not not to not to start with the the author himself. Like, obviously, there are a ton of great composers mentioned in, in the the book, but I, I just thought that 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 stuck out to me immediately when I was I was going through the that playlist. Yeah, I mean, I I, I knew about that piece um, before. I think I've actually watched maybe the same performance of it um, a while ago, and it is really interesting to watch just to like have them like to, to just watch them like slowly calm down and like try to like focus his brain waves you mm -hmm. know to certain frequencies and to get everything working uh was just really interesting um you know but w when it came for me uh to try to figure out what pieces to even listen to i i basically just like as i read through like if there was something that just sounded really interesting in terms of like what was being done like i would just kind of write it down mm -hmm. and uh I, I would try to do like you know one a chapter if even that, you know, and it like, I just wanted to go for stuff that was like, okay, I need to like put this in my ears. Um, and so I ended up getting, you know, a bunch, but I, I, th there were three that stuck out at me the most. Um, and the first one was, uh, the King of Denmark by Morton Feldman. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I found like, especially just, I was watching performance of it, which I mean, like the whole thing is about, you know, like you only, you're only allowed to like use your fingertips and like parts of your hand. Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be like really quiet and like I thought that was really fascinating just to like hear like just the little little parts that are included in this and sort of the uh, it's not necessarily like because you know it's like a graphic score so like he allows the performer some freedom in the piece so like it's never really performed the same way twice because you can choose different you know instruments that you're playing and what have you um, but like yeah it was just it was just a fascinating, fascinating listen. And I was, I was surprised. I, I was really happy that it wasn't too long because Morton Feldman is known for making 
excessively long pieces, like stuff that is like three hours long. Mm. Uh, and I was like, but when I saw this was like, you know, supposed to be like something like seven minutes, I'm like, hell yes. <laughs> so, you know, just, just, just kind of like this idea of just, you know, being able to like, like it, it almost feels like a, like a 433 in a way in, in that, like you, it feels like you're also listening to the space as well as listening to the actual like sounds that are produced. Cause it's just like the whole thing is just so quiet. And just intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sounds yeah. Uh, yeah the, 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 that was my first. So yeah, I, I wrote that one down too. That, oh, that was okay. uh, it's definitely an interesting one. And I will say that uh, in the playlist there were some some that were like forty plus minute long compositions, and I I, I definitely perused them. But I was like, if I'm gonna make it through this entire list, I kind of need to. Yeah, I need to list this stuff. It's a little bit more manageable. Um, yeah, I, 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 it was interesting. The next one for me, I don't know. It was a very close second. I, I almost considered uh, mentioning it first just because I was so, um, so in- intrigued by it. It was uh, one plus one. You know, for one player, amplified tabletop. Sorry, just reading that. I'm not sure if that. Oh, was... is it, that that the Christian Wolf piece? It's credited to Philip Glass, but I'm oh, not sure. okay, yeah. yeah, 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 okay. Just sorry, I... reading that title. I'm not sure if that was uh, if that's the actual correct title or if just however the person uploaded it. But in any case, um, I mean, it literally is exactly what it it sounds like. It's just it's a it's a tape. Someone dropped like you know, tapping, you know, rattling, like basically what we all do when we're feeling anxious or just kind of bored, like rattling on our, you know, tapping your fingers on the tabletop, but just like the intent behind it and the fact it was amplified um, and just kind of throughout the performance, the performance I saw just kind of adjusting the levels um, on the amplification on the, you know, kind of the, the way that the, the echo and, and the, um, the beats on the table would, would be heard. I thought it was fascinating. Like it made like such a, such a mundane thing we all do um or have done like into something that just felt so, like such a massive percussive performance like the way it was amplified obviously the mm. acoustics of the room i mean it was uh it was really really captivating to me i i was uh i thought it was awesome yeah i, I you know i i really should have listened like you know there were a couple of those glass pieces that seemed really cool um, some of them, like Einstein on the Beach, I I want to listen to at some point, but they're very long, like operas, you know. <laughs> so it wasn't really like something that I felt like I could listen to. But yeah, they, mm-hmm. that particular glass piece was really interesting looking. I I didn't listen to it, but there were a couple of like you know like there's a bunch of Reich pieces that I really liked, uh, or that 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 I just like the way you described them was really interesting. Uh, I mean, drumming in particular, but I mean, I, I've listened to like clapping music before, like outside of this episode, which was fascinating. I mean, the, the minimalists are just really interesting in general. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, my next one was uh, Wave Train by uh, David Berman, or I think, I think that's how you say his name, Berman, uh, B-E-H-R-M-A-N. So I'm saying Berman. Um, and th- that was the one that was... Um, it, he was using uh, like amplified piano strings that were kind of like in like a like resonant 
like feedback loop kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was just so taken away. Like th- this was probably my favorite piece just because of like the way uh, it, it felt like it was almost noise music in a way. Like it was, it was like that close to just like breaking out into complete like feedback squeals and just like Mersbau hisses and stuff like that. But at the same time, like it had like this, this atmosphere to it that felt like so, like it almost felt like it belonged like a, like a dark ambient album <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, I, I find like feedback loops in general to be really interesting and, and just to be able to work with like resonance like that is super, super cool. And just to be able to like explore the piano in ways that I wasn't originally intended to be explored in that, like all, all for it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that was kind of the theme of, of all the, the tracks I listened to the, the, you know, pieces we read about, um, just kind of extending, extending ideas. I think, I think just all these pieces are, you know, obviously about like, what does it sound like when you listen to it? But just, you know, how do you, how do you get there extending like, Oh, I, I never even considered yeah. that being music, that being something that you, that could be considered music. Um, I think it's, it, what's interesting about experimental music is the idea of, of there's, there's an added layer of understanding. Like there's an added layer of appreciation. Yeah. You can, you can have. I, I'm in total agreement. I mean, I, I think, you know, another plus for this book is just the way Lucier manages to explain a lot of the more conceptual pieces in a way that doesn't come off as just like, you know, sort of wankery, I guess, you know, because I, I think that that's, that's maybe my biggest criticism with conceptual art is just like, it's so given to, you know, the idea and that it often forgets about the actual, like, you know, performance of it Mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, which I mean, I guess is kind of like antithetical because the whole idea is that the idea itself is beautiful. But I, nonetheless, he he does a great job of of explaining these pieces in a way that is like, oh, okay, like that actually makes sense, you know? Like especially like when it came to a lot of those text pieces that were like, you know, just like sometimes just recitations of text, or you mm-hmm. know, um, compositions that only had text as instructions. Like that was really interesting, um, like super super cool. Um, yeah, what, what, what did you have as your, um, oh, they, did you already, no, but what, what, what did you have as, as your, as your next piece? Uh, my life, we're both doing three, my, my, my kind of top three. Yeah. This third one being, I think it was, uh, Conlon Nanakaro. Oh, yeah, Nanakaro, Study yeah. for player piano number 21. Uh, I was... I think what interested me most about this piece, um, it reminded me of, in a way, I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, I think it's Bartholomew Trebek. Uh, he did a, it was called, I think, Years, where it was about, he, he oh, yeah, he had a, Was that the wood piece? Yeah, with the, he took different trees and, um, like, Put a, a like a um, like a like a sequence or, or built a program where based on the tree rings it would it would be you know matched to a corresponding piano note and it would kind of create 
um, these really haunting melodies. And I think what I liked about that piece, what reminded me about this uh, study for player piano, th this one in, in particular was a little bit more dissonant. I mean, it just, uh, it was it was a little bit more chaotic than that, that, that tree piece, but I liked that it kind of extended the capabilities of human performance because I mean just just the the flurry of notes and where they were on the piano I think it'd be pretty difficult for someone to actually perform that yeah and I mean, I, and that, which I mean obviously is, is the point but I, I think yeah. that that's interesting it's just that like it, it's it's literally you know extending what's possible like it, it's it's kind of creating outside of of what a human can do and and it's yet yeah, a human is involved in in kind of mapping out that sound like it's still like you know human involvement in the in the composition so to speak but the performance is um is something outside of what you know, could be performed You're kind of extending what's possible um, yeah so I, I i thought it was really really fascinating i i do find that sort of that that idea fascinating of just like you know the do, just you know the like art isn't just what you perform it's what you make and you know what you make can often be very nebulous you know like generative music is a great idea is that you're you're creating these systems where the music plays itself mm -hmm. and you know but but the, and some people are like oh well then you're not really it's not really your music but it's like no you you made the system you know it's, it's like it's like kind of the same thing with ai music you mm -hmm. know it's a, it's a big kind of like contestant like you know kind of conflict of interest right now you know sort of a contentious point is like are you actually making music if an ai is making it mm -hmm. and i mean I, I would say like you're you're the one who's designating the ai to play you're the one who's programming it so yes mm -hmm. <laughs> um but yeah like nankara like that that whole is like that his whole thing with like player pianos was really cool and just i mean it's you know it, it's he was doing black midi before black midi was even a thing, you know, <laughs> which is like so cool. Like just, just being like, you know, I, Oh, you, you can't play this. Well, fuck you. I'll find something that can. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, I find just like that to be really cool. And it, it's so, it's so forward thinking in sort of that, like, you know, this is a big part of like electronic music, you know, in a way, like when it comes to like control voltage and, you know, things like that, you know, you are setting up these events sometimes that, you know, you might still be controlling them, uh, you know, but they might just be at the push of a button. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's just interesting how far reaching the extent of that idea is, mm -hmm. you know, even if it's not like a direct correlation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, but my final piece was actually uh, another Lucier's pieces it was uh music on a long thin wire uh because i i'd wanted to read i'd wanted to listen to this for years and years now i used to have a um uh, a big note of experimental music pieces that i wanted to listen to and this was one of them uh as well as you know uh, i'm sitting in a room um but yeah i i found just sort of the drone aspect of it like it just felt so organic in a way, like it, mm -hmm. it reminded me a lot of. Um, I don't, do you remember? I, I've talked about the um, they call the the symphony of the planets, mm -hmm. uh, where like they they took like data from, like basically like 
the sounds of the planets moving and things like that and, mm-hmm. and just turn it into music. And it's this beautiful, like, dark ambient piece. Um, it reminded me a lot of that, of just, like, it, it felt like you, you would get, like, these timbre changes that would just kind of, like, be so slight. But, you know, since there was not much else going on in the music, you would notice them, you'd pick up on them right away. But they weren't, but they didn't feel like, you know, disjoint. Like they, they, they didn't feel like they were interrupting mm-hmm. anything. Like it felt like all just like on course. Uh, it was, yeah. It, it also, it. I mean, there were parts of it that that kind of reminded me of like a film score mm-hmm. almost, which I <laughs> I didn't expect from, you know, just like a, literally just a wire being used to create music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it was yeah, it was it was so cool to, to sort of see you know his process in creating these pieces because like oh, who the fuck thinks of this stuff? It's like you know I, I I just think that's so cool like like that it's not really like it's electronic music but it's not really like traditionally electronic like it's it's not even like you're doing like you know a Stockhausen sort of thing where like you know you're using like all these giant oscillators and recording it on tape and all this stuff. You know, he's he's just like fuck it. Like let let let's let's just take like you know, uh like like let, let's just make something new. Like it was kind of like um when he was talking about Cage's uh, cartridge music as mm-hmm. well. You know, just yeah, it was just super interesting. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, it's kind of uh, goes a little bit to um like Picasso, like experimental artists. I just I just remember back to we did that unit in in college and humanities it's like you know why is this you know why is is this art and that's not art um you know why is this music that's not music and i think it's i mean there's deeper philosophical intentions but i think what you just said is that like who you had the idea you thought of it you thought of it first so to speak just like the the things that people come up i mean like the whole who would have thought to use like literally put a tree stump on a turntable and scan it into a computer and make music out of it like i just i think there's not it's not just you know what what you actually press the record or what you actually record it's like you had the thought like you 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 considered um you know you considered what's actually possible in terms mm. of composing music like what what can we do um and obviously you could do that with any number of ways like you know when a new genre is created I mean, like, not to totally dumb things down, but like with new metal, like who who would have thought combining metal with turntables and and rapping? I mean, like, it just I, th- I think when any any new genre, any new musical idea comes out, I think the like, half the half the fun, half the intrigue, intrigue is like someone someone had the idea in yeah. the first place. And, yeah, and and just like yeah, I mean, I, I think you know it, it sort of speaks to the larger idea of like what is originality because mm-hmm. you know like a lot of people think that it's just you know nothing is original anymore. It's just that you are taking things that already exist and you're sort of fitting them together in new ways. And like I think that that's kind of like the same thing. Or you, know, it's it's like a recontextualization of you know you're you're taking you're you're, you're taking things that are not necessarily musical and making them musical in this case mm-hmm. um yeah i mean they're like same thing with um you know music for music for solo performer you know it's it's who who would ever think oh yeah i'm gonna make you know like like it was like the idea of like an encephalogram you know is is like a thing you know but 
to bring it into the musical space is just like another thing entirely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is really fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have much more to add. I mean, I you know, despite my criticisms of sort of the way this was laid out and sometimes written and and edited, like I I really enjoyed it. Like I really enjoyed learning about you know not only how these pieces were made and sort of the thought process behind them and sort of what you know the intention was but you know to sort of see Lucy's involvement in all of this like I really didn't expect him to be so intimately you know um, involved with you know someone like John Cage with Robert Ashley with you know I mean there's so many I mean Philip Glass Mm -hmm. even you know um, it was really cool to just see that there is this like because I I think you know in my experience and I, maybe just from my, you know, poor perception of this, but I think experimental music, I think just like, um, you know, composition, like sort of modern classical composition in general often has like this monolithic um, feeling to it that, you know, the exclusivity kind of, you know, seeps into the people, like the people actually making it. Like, you know, you, you don't really think about the people that like Tchaikovsky, you know, hung out with. You know, you just think about Tchaikovsky. Yeah. You know, and so I I think it's it's really cool to see that this was like a much more community driven thing than I think we, you know, I I think than history makes it out to be. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think you can see a little bit with like, you know, how like Steve Reich and like uh, Philip Glass, you know, were were good friends. Same thing with Terry Riley. Uh, They, all three of them were like, knew each other and things like that and I think Reich and Glass had a falling out but you know like you know and I think Tudor David Tudor and John Cage you know was another example but like you know it it was just cool to see like how much how much communication there was between all the parties involved mm-hmm. um, yeah but that, that, that's really all I have to say here no yeah. absolutely I mean I think it definitely was um, an imperfect imperfect book but i think it was uh genuine and approachable which is is really not something you can say about a lot of you know a lot of media connect to experimental music and i mean i, I think I, I don't know i mean i just uh, co-sign everything you said and i think it was really interesting to read a first person account where i mean i genuinely know did not feel any pretension Did not feel any, like he, this yeah. I mean he seemed like just a genuinely um I don't know which is very uh very impressed by uh, yeah like it, it felt like he came from you know I like I, I think maybe this is the mark of a good educator that it's you know his you know I, I think that the impetus behind what he's saying isn't do as I say and listen to what I say Mm-hmm. It's more find things out for yourself, you know, and and I think that that really like I I I feel that a lot, and you know, like he it felt like he was like oh if you explore this like this you'll get this you know like it it wasn't it, it felt like just so friendly as opposed to adamant and like iron fist and like inflexible, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that, that that's just so important and and just I appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, do you want to do, um? You want to talk about albums of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so what What have you uh, What have you got? 
You know, it's interesting to me how, depending on the band, like depending on like your perception of a band or like, I guess just how successful they are in general, um, how dumb you think their name is. <laughs> Either like you'll ignore it or you'll think it's funny, but this is a band where like if they didn't if they weren't one of the more more celebrated alternative rock bands of the nineties, uh, I think that pe- their name would seem much more dumb than it Scott, is. Scott, if, if this is the Google Dolls, you did this last week. No, it's not. Okay. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> although th- that's actually a good example of what I'm talking about too. But yeah. this one, like as I was listening to, it, I was like, man, I love this album, and then I was just like looking through the liner notes. I'm like, their name is objectively dumb. Uh, and their name is Dinosaur Jr. Oh, yeah. Um, and the name of the album is Without a Sound. Uh, I did one of my, you know, sort price low to high uh, on Red Scroll. And this was, I think, like 70 cents or something. And they said, like, they said, oh, like, you know, the case is in poor condition. I'm like, all right, well, you know, for 70 cents, like, I don't, you know, whatever. There's like <laughs> a tiny crack in the corner. <laughs> like, like, out in the front of the kit, like, not even on the side that could like it, it opens and closes fine just in like the the bottom right corner there's a crack in the case and that, like that's it it's not even that big a deal oh, like, dude yeah. seriously like the, the like i i've paid like many 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 times more than that to have a case just be destroyed yeah and that's why i love red school because i feel like red school like will they'll like over overplay how damaged something is like i bought yeah. uh uh it was um uh, fil- uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Filets de Kilimanjaro by Miles Davis. Oh, yeah. Which was yeah. The, the same part, like 70 cents. And they said the same thing about uh, the case in the disc. Uh, played it, did not skip once. Totally fine. But they made, they said, oh, like, it's a pretty, like, kind of shoddy condition. And I'm like, well, like, then, like you said, I bought brand new CDs that came absolutely dense, <laughs> you know, in absolutely yeah. terrible condition. Um, it's amazing. But. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say Jay Vasquez is uh, underrated. Like, I think people recognize how great a guitarist he is, but like, it's it, it it's it's very. He's extremely good. Like he not like not only like some of his solos are just generally like really nice shredding, but I think he does an amazing job of fitting the general kind of like noise rock meets like pop punk meets alternative rock meets like a little bit of of stoner and garage rock it's really just like it's like catchy scuzzy you know fuzzy rock and Mm. um i've definitely like i've enjoyed them before but i specifically wanted this one because the first time i ever heard dinosaur jr was you know through rock band with the song feel the pain which is the first song on this album and <laughs> i feel like th- th- that song in particular like perfectly encapsulates what they do best and it's just uh yeah i really want to i really want to flush out my collection with their stuff some more because every time i listen to them like whenever they release a new album i'll you know i'll check it out and every time I'm like man like i should listen to more dinosaur jr and then of course i i never do like i do with a lot of bands i'm just like hey i should listen to them more and then oh another shiny thing um, but no, they're they're really cool. Um, again, don't want to don't want to you know don't want to overstate how underrated they are. But I, I feel because I think they, they definitely have their due. There's a ton of ton of well known artists that have cited them as influences. Um, so I don't don't want to 
they definitely have, have earned their roses in, in you know in their day but i just yeah. feel like in terms of like the alt rock and i guess quasi grunge movement of the day i'm not sure that they i don't know i i just I, I feel like i hear other bands names more and i feel like that they they really were um i don't know i think they deserve all the credit and they also are local i didn't i i forgot this they are from i think they start out in amherst mass which is obviously written, yeah. you know, pretty, you know, within, within the local area to where we, we are. So, um, yeah, always cool nice. when, I, yeah. yeah where in, um, where in their discography is this stand? Because I, I've only listened to, uh, you're living all over me. Yeah. And I, I have, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I had that one. I might have it on vinyl. Uh, I think at one point I had bug, which, cause it was like a special colored edition. Um, uh, I, I think yeah I think you're, you're living all over up. me is considered their their best. Um, I I meant like chronologically like where. Is oh, it? it's uh, came out in they've actually been around for a while. Like their first album came out eighty five. Like I it yeah. just considered them to be like a nineties all rock band. But yeah, this was one of their later records. It's uh, came out in ninety four, so it was their yeah okay. Their yeah, you, you're, you're living all over me is eighty seven. Yeah, so. without a sound was like I think they're. Yeah, there's must have been their sixth album, which is kind of crazy. One, two, three, four, five. Yep, sixth. If I yeah, if I can if I can count quickly. <laughs> yeah, why are you um, on Wikipedia too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's 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 test my 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 counting skills. Yeah. Um, I have you ever read um, the book Our Band Could Be Your Life? No. I would I would highly suggest picking up Our Band Could Be Your Life because they they have it, it's kind of like. Actually, it's it's kind of like Music 109, but it's all about indie rock bands, um, of like you know like really like actual like indie rock as opposed to like you know the the genre indie rock. Mm-hmm. So you know like they they talk a little about about like Black Flag and hardcore punk, and uh, you know Dinosaur Junior has a place. <laughs> and it, you know it's it's a bunch of like little bless you by the way. Thank you. It's, it's a bunch of um, mini profiles basically mm-hmm. on all these bands, including. Um, you know sonic youth and uh beat happening and you know just mm-hmm. a ton of bands uh such a great book to listen to to listen to to, to read um <laughs> yeah i highly highly recommend it um anyway though i should probably get on to mine <laughs> but um yeah I, I i had this on earlier this week and i was just it's been a while since i've listened to this i'm really glad i put it on it's just such a nice Quiet listen. It's um, Hell Among the Yearlings by uh, Jillian Welch. She's a um, kind of like a folk bluegrass, kind of like folk country. Oh, cool. Artist. Yeah, it, I, I've had this for a few years now. My my mentor in grad school turned me on to it. She played the the he played the first track off of this thing called um, Caleb Meyer, which is an amazing track. It's like about like this uh, this woman who uh, whose neighbor like attempts to like rape her basically and and she kills him like right before he can basically Mm. it is like it is a haunting song to listen to uh just an amazing amazing like example of just like songwriting you know sort of like story and like influencing the songwriting and songwriting influencing the story um but you know, I, it's full of like you know just there's a lot of variety you know like it can be anywhere from you know something more like a Appalachia kind of folk sound, uh, you know, where, where you've almost got like, 
I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like an overtone sort of singing. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. it but it's, um, yeah, it, it's just a fascinating, fascinating listen. It's just really beautifully done. Um, also, you know, for, I, 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 you've watched Oh Brother Where Art Thou, right? Yes. Because the, the, that's actually her. She's actually in it. Um, oh, okay. Very, very briefly, but her, she, her voice is used in the, um, in the siren song. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it, like so that she's probably best remembered for that. But this is a really great uh, album to listen to, and I think you can actually get it used at Bulmos, um right now. So, yeah, just really like love this thing. I'm not you know that deep into the world of country or folk, and it's just like a little. It's a, it's a nice little like respite from you know uh, what I normally listen to. I will say of all the genres that I, I had to like actively try to get into, that's the one that I found the most rewarding because when, um, you know, when it's, when it's done well, when the, the storytelling comes together, when everything really comes together, it's just, it's a really, really, there's mm. some, you can find some really good stuff. Uh, yeah. But, but it's also really hard to find good stuff sometimes, or, or I, I think maybe, Maybe better put, it, it's it's tough to find stuff that resonates with with you sometimes. Yeah, like I, I have a couple. I mean, like obviously you're you're gonna you're gonna chuckle as soon as I mention his name, but like I have a couple Bob Dylan CDs, and I was in the mood for like that kind of vibe the other day, and I was listening to it, and like musically, I thought it was cool, but like listening to the lyrics, I'm like, this is kind of just like rambly and a little random. <laughs> like it just, uh, it's interesting how these are like. I mean. Like I, the, 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 this is the Nobel Prize winning musician Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, like like uh, you know, like a Rolling Stone, uh, like that those type of songs. Yeah, like the, the, there's a story, or whatever. But there were some songs I'm like, what? What are we? What is he talking about? Like, what is? <laughs> what is this? And I'm just picturing like a bunch of old hippies at like a concert, like singing along to these nonsensical lyrics, and it's like, so is this? Like, is this cool? Like, is this good? <laughs> like, this... nonsense lyrics can be interesting but like when you're bob dylan it, it definitely shines a different kind of light on it <laughs> yeah like, like not that everything has to be super serious and memorable but it's like okay so this like you said this guy's seen as like the, you know the the voice of a generation and it's like all right well I yeah guess, i guess everyone was just high out of their minds because <laughs> this, this is not super this is I, really I, th- th- this is why I, i'd rather have william burroughs as the voice of, of a generation yeah <laughs> Or, or you know, Ginsburg. He saw he saw the greatest minds of his generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I think we need to go. <laughs> All right. Well, fun, uh, fun episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.